excited about this, wrapping up our missions conference today. The time is now. And I just want to let you know at the end of the service, we will be collecting and asking you to carefully, prayerfully consider, and hopefully you've done that the last three weeks, um, what you might do to support our missions. All of our missions budget comes through faith promise. It comes from what we commit. And we'll talk about that at the end, but I just want you to be praying about that if you haven't done so much yet. Be praying about how you can support ministries like we've heard over the last several weeks and the ministry of Norbu and, and, and Juna and the work that is going on there and the other ministries that you'll see, you see out on the table, tables in the narthex and everything else that we do. But today we're going to finish by being back in the book of Haggai. So if you have your Bibles, you can find the book of Haggai. As we said last week, go to that spot between the New Testament and the Old Testament and go back three books, a little two-chapter book, the book of Haggai, in between the two Z books, Zephaniah and Zechariah, and you can't miss it. Jumps out at you just right in between there. Haggai was a prophet. He was a prophet at the time when the, ref, the, the refugees, the, the exiles had returned back to Jerusalem and to Judea. And it was in Judah, it was the time where they were returning to their home. In the scripture, we'll see that there are certain activities or certain oracles, certain discourses that God gave. And if you remember last week, the first one was August 29th of the year 520 B.C., when God first spoke to Haggai and he said, he said, is, it a, is this the time that you are living in your paneled houses while my house lies in ruin? Is this what time it is? And then September 21st, we see just less than a month later, the work began on the temple. They heard God and they said, yes, we need to get moving. And so the work began. And then we also saw on October 27th, about a month later, God encourages the people with another uh, oracle through, through Haggai. And, and he says, don't, don't get discouraged. Don't compare this temple. Don't compare this, this foundation that you've laid to the old temple, to Solomon's temple. I know it's, it's not as big. It doesn't, it's not going to look as glorious. But don't worry. Don't compare. And then he says, and then don't discourage because other people are trying to, to uh, be, be ob- you know, they're trying to oppress you or they're trying to stop the work. Don't let them do that. And so he writes, well, then now on December 18th, 520, God speaks again. One last time to Haggai. Three months about after the restart of the building of the temple. And we're going to pick it up right where we left off last week. Haggai chapter 2, verse 10. On December 18th, 520 B.C., it goes like this. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine or olive oil or other food, does it become consecrated? Interesting. God starts with a case study. And he says, go to the priests because the priests are the interpreters of the law. 
And he says, I, I have a problem for you, and I'm going to lay it out, and I want you to look at the, the Torah as you understand it, the law that you have, and I want you to tell me the answer. And it's simply this, is if, if I have this meat that's been consecrated, it's been, it's been set aside for sacrifice, it's holy meat. And if I have this holy meat... And, you, and the pre, and, and they put, person puts it in the garment, say a, a pocket, say, or, or wraps it in the garment. And then that garment brushes against some food, some stew, some water, some wine, some bread, or other food. Does that food become consecrated? Well, this is pretty much a layup for the priests, who, if they really knew their law and had studied the Torah. In fact, we see the answer in verse 12. The priests answered, no. Good answer. <laughs> they had looked at Leviticus 6 and studied through. They, they would come to that conclusion that, that holiness or consecratedness does not transfer indirectly. Something doesn't become holy by touching something that was Holy. That's interesting. That's interesting in that day, and I think it's interesting today, too. You don't become holy by hanging around holy things. Believe it or not, you may be sitting in the most holy pew here this morning. (laughs) Everybody in that pew is sanctified and and been going to church for 30 years. They They haven't sinned in the last 20 years. Well, okay, maybe not, but, uh, but, 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 you know, that doesn't make you holy. The wrapper's holy. In fact, I forgot to bring it up with me this morning, but I brought some holy meat with me. It's called beef jerky. <laughs> now, some of you saying, ah, yes, beef jerky, I love holy meat. And some of you saying, yuck, beef jerky. But this beef jerky in, is in this bag. Let's, let's say, ah. Uh, You'll yield not to temptation, put it back. Let's say that this is holy. And, and the, the law would say that by putting it in this container, the container becomes holy. Because it's protecting, it's carrying what is holy. But by brushing up against something else, the container does not make that holy. You have to be in direct contact with the holy. Holiness does not transfer indirectly. And that's what he's saying. But then he follows it up with a second question. And he says this in verse 13. If a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Kind of, is the opposite true? If, 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 I'm, if I'm consecrated or if, if I'm holy, I'm clean, and I touch a dead body, and then I go and touch even the holy meat or anything else, does that become unholy? Well, they knew that one too because they had studied. They replied in verse 13, yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Good answer. They had looked at Numbers 19. They had studied the Torah. And they knew that, that uncleanness, something that was not consecrated, 
could touch something that was clean. In fact, you might think of it this way. If you were going to the altar, the altar was the most holy. It had been consecrated to God, and you offered something unclean like an unclean pig on that altar. The altar did not make the pig clean. The pig makes the altar unclean. And it can do it then indirectly because I touched the dead body. What I touch becomes unclean. It's indirect. This meat, my my beef jerky, does not have to touch the dead body. It gets unclean because I touched the dead body and then I touched it. And there's a very serious thought here that uncleanness, sin, travels quickly. Sin in the camp. can travel much quicker, much faster than holiness does. Think about that. Here's what God says in verse 14. So it is with the people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer is defiled. What God is saying is for all these years, you've had this big, ugly, dead body sitting right in your midst. It's an unfinished temple. It's been sitting there, and it has polluted. It has made unclean everything. And now everything is unclean. Because the uncleanness infiltrates everything. Think of it this way. If we were all here this morning, and we're all extremely healthy but there's one very contagious person who wins. (laughs) But if we're all sick, if we're all sick and very contagious and one healthy person comes in here, we don't say, oh, great, a healthy person, let's get around him because we want to get healthy. It doesn't work that way. Healthiness does not transfer. Sickness transfers. And that's the way it was all through the Old Testament. Once sin got into the camp, once sin got into the, to, to the people, it multiplied and it carried over. And he said, the Lord says, whatever you do, whatever you offer is defiled and it affects everything. The neglect of God, the selfish, prideful spirit that created this neglect had creeped into every part of their lives. That's what sin does. It creeps into every part of our lives. And listen to this. God says whatever, whatever they did and whatever they offered was defiled. That means even their token acts of righteousness were defiled. The things they wanted to do to please God or or they tried to do to make themselves right because of the sin in their lives was defiled. Just rebuilding a temple won't fix the mess. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Following God is the only way to get out of this mess. So God, once again, imploring the people, asks them to think about what they've been up to. Listen to this in verse 15. It says, now give careful thought to this. From this day on, consider how things were before one stone was laid on another. When anyone came into a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When someone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with a blight and mildew and hail 
yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Last week we talked about this. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about what has happened. Give careful thought from this day on. Think about how you've gone and you thought you were going to get 20 barrels or you've brought 20 bushels and it ended up only being 10. Think about how everything was struck with blight and mildew and hail and and look at the results. And he said in there, the saddest thing is you did not return to me. Even though you had nothing. Even though, even though what you thought you had was taken away. You still didn't return to me. Nothing new in what God is saying here. This is what he's been saying through Haggai. He kind of alternates between, between uh, giving a, a, a challenge and then an encouragement, and then a challenge and encouragement, and now he's giving another challenge, and he's saying, you haven't returned to me. But then he makes a twist and another turn, finally, in verse 18, when he says this. From this day on, from this 24th of the ninth month, which in our calendar is December 18th, 520, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne any fruit. Give careful thought to the Lord. Give careful thought to his thoughts. Give careful thought to his concerns. Have you even been thinking about my concerns? Have you been thinking about what, what, what I'm thinking about? Have you ever even been thinking about the many, many things that, that I have for you or that I want for you? Or have you just neglected? Apparently they had not. Apparently they had not been thinking. In verse 19, it's the same old, same old. You know, you, even, even this fall, after, after you started building, even during the harvest, Vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not borne any fruit. And now there's no grain in the barn because you've planted it for the, for the winter planting. And, and you're keeping your fingers crossed. Is it going to happen again? Is God going to do anything? Is God, is God going to step in or are we doomed? And then God answers with this, this promise. From this day on, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. In response to the change that I see, in response to the people starting to build, and now it's been three months and it hasn't stopped and there seems to be some some dedication and some commitment to what they're doing. He says, I will bless you. And he blesses us, he blesses them because he can. Because, you know, the same God, it's the same God who is concerned about the temple who controls the rain. The same God who is concerned about the temple controls the sunshine. The same God who is concerned about the temple controls the winds. He's the God who can bless. And he has said, I will bless you. What does it mean to be blessed? Have you ever thought about that? Most of us have. If you, want, if you go to Facebook anywhere nowadays, that's all you see. Um, hashtag blessed. I am blessed. And you know what we normally think of when we think of being blessed? Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, I am blessed. 
Oh, man. That's in, and it does not just that. It's the home and everything that goes with it. I am blessed. Not many of us, though, think of this when we think of being blessed. No. That's not the thought that first comes to our mind, is it? You know, there's, in the New Testament, there, I, I counted up and read through 89 verses in the New Testament that have the word, in the NIV, the word bless, blessing, or blessed. 89 times, and I didn't see one time that it referred to material goods. Not once. And yet in our own minds, we think being blessed is being healthy, having a good job, making lots of money, our kids are, we got a great marriage. Our kids are doing wonderful. And yet as soon as one of those things kind of turns, does that mean we're not blessed? Does that mean God has forsaken us? When we think blessed being just the material, we get our sights on the wrong target. Blessed maybe well-known in the Beatitudes, as some translate, can mean happy. But in our culture, happy kind of means, you know, a little, you know, just kind of giddy. But that's not what blessed really is. A, a better word or words for blessed are favor, approval. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. You have the approval of God. You have the favor of God. I think Ephesians 1.3 maybe helps us understand this a little better. Ephesians 1.3 says this, I'll praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms doesn't sound like a lot of Material things. It doesn't sound like in that scripture that God's going to pour out riches on us. Listen to Peter. Peter in 1 Peter 3, 4 says, Blessed are we when we suffer for what is right. Doesn't sound like riches to me. 1 Peter 4, 4 says, Blessed are we if we are insulted because of Christ. No Mercedes in that scripture. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but repay evil with blessing. To this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Are we blessed? Are we in a position to be blessed? You know, the Israelite people or the people of Judah at that time really weren't in a position to be blessed until until they had the same mind as God. Until the things that concerned God concerned them enough that they would go out and do something about it. And it's at that point he said, I will bless you. I will bless you. And I noticed in that verse in Ephesians 1.3 that we are blessed in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And when we're united with Christ... We have the same mind of Christ, as he said in Philippians. 
we think like Christ, and the things that concern Christ concern us. And Jesus said in, in John 10 that I, I and the Father are one. So then we have the same concerns as God. And what concerns God concerns us. We are blessed when the things that concern God are the things that concern us, and then we go and we do something about it. Of course, the first thing that concerns God is your salvation. Are you right with him? And that's a, but that's a personal concern. What's his concern for the church? What's his concern for his body? What's his concern for you and me and for the greater church? I think he gives us hints, and he gives us hints from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture. What concerns God? Listen to these verses just talking about him. Exodus chapter 3, God looks at his people and it says he's concerned because of their suffering and their oppression. Leviticus chapter 19, there's the law of gleaning. And God says when you, when you, when you harvest, leave the grain, leave the, the, the produce or whatever you're, you're, you're harvesting at the edges of the field so that the poor and the foreigner and the alien can be fed. He actually says if there's, if there's grapes there, uh, you, you leave, the, leave some grapes on the vine, and if some grapes fall, leave them there. Deuteronomy 10, he says there should be no partiality. We should care for the orphan, the widows, and the foreigners. Deuteronomy chapter 15, he says that we should care again for the poor and the needy. Isaiah chapter 1, the prophet says, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the cause of the widow. Jeremiah 5 says, I see your evil deeds, you ignore orphans, and you don't defend the poor. Jeremiah 22 says, for this is what is right, to care for the victims, the foreigner, the widow, and the orphan. Ezekiel 16 says, the sin of Sodom was that they did not help the poor or the needy. Amos 5 says, judgment is on you because you have trampled on the poor. What's the heart of God? Well, we see it again when we start looking at the actions and the teachings of Jesus. He says this, we know it well, Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. That's who Jesus cares about. Luke chapter 4, he says, I've come to bring good news to the poor, to preach freedom to the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, and release for the oppressed. What concerns you? What concerns us? That's why we're here today. That's why we're here in this missions conference, because we believe that the things that concern God should concern us. Out in the lobby are many organizations, here are some of them that are there, that we know we can't do it all. We can't do it all. And so we partner with some of these organizations. Do we have that slide up there? We see some of these that, that care, like Project Hope, cares for the homeless. City Mission, cares for the homeless. InterVarsity, for the foreigners. Operation Christmas Child, the foreigners, the children. Building hope in the city for the refugees. For Angel Tree, for the family of those in prison. 
for Catalyst Ministry, for caring for those in, in, a, in a local school district, many of which are foreigners, aliens. Then there's Teen Challenge and Friends of Recovery, caring for those addicted, caring for those in recovery. There's so many more that we partner with. One person can't do it all. You can't do it all. I can't do it all. We also believe in the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And so we partner with EFCER and others for missions around the world, in India and Europe, Caribbean and South America. And we have Asia that didn't fit on here and others, areas that we are in. It's through EFCER that we support Norbu and Juna. $51,000 we told you last week, we send EFCER to support our missionaries in these countries because we believe this is God's heart. We believe God is concerned about those around the world who have not heard the gospel. And we believe it's our responsibility. If we can't go, God has gifted us with money and funds that we can send others, that we can support, and that we can pray. And finally, we're in Jamaica. We are leading the Friends Ministry there in Jamaica. The EFCER churches, we are, we are leading the, 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 the battle in a, in a tough, tough, tough field. Very tough. We support Dave and Shauna Good in Kingston. We're ministering there in the church, and they minister with the homeless. They minister those in the nursing homes and, and those youth that they come into their church and they care for. We do that on a day-by-day basis. And the time is now. In fact, we can't wait any longer. The job needs to be done, and we can be a part of it. You have this card that's in your program. Maybe you've been carrying it around. Maybe you've been praying it for a few weeks. I know Sheila and I were talking this week about what do we do? What's our commitment? You know, faith promise is, is, is not a, um, it's not a, it's not a pledge because we don't keep records that we come after you and say, hey, you didn't give. It's, it's your promise between you and God. And if you pull that out and look at it, you'll see there's a weekly, you can do it weekly. And you know, that's what we've done the last two years. Sheila and I, the last two years, because we got to thinking that if we, pro- if we count on God, if we believe God's going to provide, if we believe God's going to give to us to, to support missions, um, we can believe him weekly. We can trust him weekly. Even if it hasn't come in yet, we can trust that it's going to come so that the missionaries can be paid on a weekly basis. You know, it's, it'd be a shame if they all had to wait for our faith promise money to come in. But maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, maybe it's annually. And you say, why do we need your name? Oh, we don't have to have your name, but it helps us to know that these are real when they come in. <laughs> it also helps those, the, 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 the three people, I think, that see these cards. It helps them to know, uh, help us, give us a number that we could budget when we see this number. It helps us to know how much we can support our missions this next year, what new missions we can take on. There's so much I haven't talked about. The work we're doing in, in, in Garfield Heights with Cleveland Community Friends over this next year, we're really excited about. Other ministries out there that I just didn't mention, that some that were here last week, that we're really excited about. But we can only do it with your giving. 
Uh, we don't talk about money a lot here. If you're here and you're saying, wow, talking about money. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, you guys are so faithful in your giving, we don't have to. And I'm so, I'm so glad about that. <laughs> I'm so glad we don't have to get up here every week and beg for money. But this is the way we fund our missions. And missions are incredibly important. Why? Because if I look through the scripture and I start looking from beginning to end, I see the heart of God. And I see the heart of God for the alien, for the foreigner. I see the heart of God for the orphan and the widow. I see the heart of God for those who are addicted, those who are oppressed. I see the heart of God for those who have not heard his word yet. That's his heart. And I believe if we have the same mind of Christ, and if we are united with Christ, we have to have that same heart. We have to have that same heart for those who haven't heard and those oppressed. That's why Sheila and I sacrifice. Maybe not enough. Maybe we'll have to do more. But I believe God is, is calling us. And in just a minute, we're going to ask the ushers to come forward. So hopefully you've been thinking, maybe been writing on your... Yeah, good news. People who have... I know some weren't going to be here today or just had prayed about it. We've already got $23,000 of commitments. Yes, that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. And we haven't even asked for anything yet. <laughs> so thank you so much. What, do you, what is God calling you to do? That's all we want to know. What's God calling you to do? Where's God calling you to sacrifice? Where's God calling you to trust in him? You never know what God's going to do. In 2015, when somebody just came along and said, hey, can we have this youth conference of Bhutanese, Naples youth all, from all the country at your church? Because everywhere else they looked, people were charging them so much they couldn't afford it. And we said, yeah, come and use our building for free. Just come use it. We want you to have it. We want you to use it. And we formed this relationship with Norbu. And we've been able to partner. That's exciting. You know what else is exciting about that? We told them, no, don't even worry about it. They walked in a few weeks later and handed me a check for $3,000 for using the building. I said, we weren't expecting that. They said, ah, oh, it was a successful conference. We made money. We wanted to share it with you. Sometimes God blesses you materially, you know. <laughs> he does that. He just does that. I don't know how God's going to bless you. But I believe when you respond to God, when we respond to God, not only personally, but as a church, God will bless us with his approval, with his favor. And when that happens, when that happens, you see God move. You see God heal. You see God create a fire. But I want to see burn brightly for Friends Church. Ushers, would you come forward at this time and hopefully you've had a chance to think about it. Hopefully you've had a chance to give. We're, we're going to just let the ushers collect your cards as the worship team sings and then we'll close. Father, um, bless our thoughts. Bless, Lord, our, our pocketbooks. Bless all that we uh, offer to you in complete sacrifice so that your work can get done where it needs to be done. Thank you. 
thank you for each one here, the commitments being made, the prayers that have been gone forth. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. And praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and couple quick things. First, the confession. Sheila just told me we don't give weekly, we give monthly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shows you what I know what goes on in our house. <laughs> that happens. You know, I said we don't talk much about money, and it's because I just looked, and if you look at our budget update on year-to-date for operations and missions, we are ahead of budget giving. Thank you so much. That's that's amazing, and, uh, and we, we thank you. All we do, usually we take off, we just thank you for your giving. 
And so thank you so much. And just a reminder, if you didn't put an offering in the plates, uh, the offering boxes are in the back at the doors, and you can just drop them off there. And uh, thank you for your giving. And please, 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 we have guests out there who are waiting to talk with you, talk about their missions, even go back into the hospitality room. We have three tables set up back in there, and uh, they're here just this week. So stop by, talk about their missions. There are places uh, that are, although these are, partner missions. A lot of them are right here in the Cleveland area that you can get involved with. Um, Building Hope in the City, looking for training in January to work with uh, refugees, and and they they need help. Uh, Alan Brown and Phyllis Brown in their ESL, they they still could use teachers over in Painesville for the ESL, but they really need people to watch the children of the people that are doing the teaching for ESL. So you can go and just play with a bunch of young kids and have a blast uh, every now and then. That sounds good, doesn't it? So many things. Stop out there. Uh, pick up your Operation Shoebox so you can get Christmas taken care of. A lot of good things. God bless. Go serve the King and be blessed. You're dismissed. <laughs>